This is Dave from CheapWineFinder.com, and today we're going to do another edition of Let's Talk About Cheap Wine. And this time we're going to do the bubbly edition. Uh, you know, champagne, Prosecco, anything with bubbles in it. And it is one of my favorite categories of value price, drink it now, everyday wines. And there's a reason for that, because um, there's a large selection of um, very, very good not that expensive bubblies on the market. And one of the reasons is, is that um, when people think of, of a premium wine to drink, they, they often think of champagne. And, and for a very long time, actually centuries, um, if you're going to spend money or on, a, on, a, on, a, on a bottle of wine, if you're going to have a special event, a, a, a very good occasion, you're, and you're going to spend money on a bottle, you're buying champagne. And that kind of leaves everybody out. There are a few different uh, manufacturers, you know, Schramsberg out of California, who have, um, you know, elevated their wines to the place where they can be seen as a premium product and people will pay a premium price for their wines. But for the most part, um, people, you know, the, the people won't spend money on anything other than champagne. And that Puts all the other uh, bubblies in the lower market, all fighting for their share of the market. And that gives a lot of good wines available for us to drink at a very good price. Um, let's start with what bubbly is, or I guess we're not starting because we're a minute and a half through, but we're going to talk about what bubbly is. And there's the traditional method, which is how they make um, champagne. It's... Um, it's also in Champagne, it's called Method uh, Champenois. And what they do with that one is they ferment the wine like they would any other wine. Well, not actually like everyone. They, it has to be a certain way to, be, to become Champagne, but it's fermented like other wines are fermented. And then they pour um, the fermented wine into each and every bottle. And then they add a little bit of sugar and some yeast, stop the bottle up temporarily, uh, put it down in a you know on an angle, and walk away for about a year and a half or more. Uh, the other method is the Charmat method, which is how they make prosecco. And what they do there is again they they uh, ferment the wine like every other wine, and then they put it into huge pressurized vats. And these huge vats are. Um, they add yeast and sugar to it, and they put the pressure on, and it goes through a second fermentation, and there the CO2 tries to escape, but the pressurized vats pushes it back into the wine. And there it lasts for weeks to a couple months is how long it takes, as opposed to the year and a half or more for champagne. And basically the difference is, is that the Champagne method was invented in the 1500s and the Charmat method was invented in the late 1800s of the you know, Industrial Revolution, so it's technology. Uh, but, you know, you still get the bubbles in there. Uh, more differences? Well, the different grapes, um, you know, for make a major difference. But... Um, uh, one of the things about champagne that's different than about Prosecco, other than different grapes, is the pressure in the bottles, atmospheres. One of the things champagne perfected, because um, they didn't invent the process, it was invented somewhere else in France, 
but they figured out a way to stop the bottles from exploding because uh, you could, you know, you're taking your life in your hands back in the old days trying to drink champagne that might blow up and glass everywhere. Um, so the atmospheres in the bottle of champagne is probably about double what the atmosphere is in a bottle of Prosecco. And that's when you see the bubbles in your glass shooting their way up towards the top. Um, that's that pressure. So there's more pressure in champagne than pretty much any other um sparkling wine and uh, the other thing is the intensity since the second fermentation happens in each and every bottle you get more contact with the yeast um it just tends to be more intense than the other ones in humongous vats it's a little less intense um it's not a matter of good or bad i happen to like both of them perfectly fine i don't turn down glasses of uh, prosecco or champagne and then there's other you know there's other sparkling wines from everywhere else and that's one of the good things about it. And here's the thing about champagne, uh, especially on the lower end, the non-vintage end, is that the price they charge you to buy it and the cost of production aren't particularly closely related. You're paying the price because it's champagne. It's a premium product. You're not paying that price because that's what it costs. So that means other people can, can make the, the same product at a cheaper price, because cava, which out of Spain, is made the exact same way as, as they make um, make champagne um, out, of, out of the Catalonia range around Barcelona. That's where they make cava, and that's way cheaper most of the time. You know, there are some higher end ones that can get a little pricey, but by and large, cava is very inexpensive. So, it, the cost of making the wine and what champagne the prices. You know, there are two kind of separate things. It, it costs that much because that's what you're going to—that's what you're willing to pay for it. And like even some of the lower end ones, they make hundreds of thousands of bottles. You know, usually when you you have the huge productions, the price goes down. Um, they're not so much. Though the higher end vintage data champagnes are more exclusive. It's supply and demand, and you know, those are expensive because there's not that much of it, and there's a demand for it. Which leads us to everybody else out there who makes champagne. And since no one's paying a lot of money for anything other than champagne, you know, um, the rest of them are all fighting for a kind of a good price. And there's a lot to choose from. Um, another thing you got to remember about sparkling wine, especially non-vintage sparkling wine, is that they know what it's going to taste like before they start. Because every year they... You know, after they make this year's, they they go through the both ends, you know, both uh, fermentations and everything. Then they, because um, since it's non-vintage, they blend in other years to make it sound or taste exactly the same as last year's did. So they they know what it's going to taste like. They have a house style, and it's inexpensive. So you're not getting fooled with anything. I mean, if you find someone whose house style you don't like, then put that on the list of uh, don't buy. But most of them kind of know what the popular styles are and do variations of that. So champagne is, um, or champagne, the sparkling wine bubbly, the non-champagne ones, there's a lot of really good ones. And there's even ones from like Burgundy, uh, Cremant, they call them there, and uh, Burgogne, and they're inexpensive. And, you know, it's from a high-end district, and they're all over. You get French sparkling wine, German sparkling wine, English sparkling wine, Spanish sparkling wine, Italian sparkling wine. Every country in the world makes sparkling wines, and most of them are inexpensive and really good. And that's... You know, and that's the thing. And well, because they they're not selling 
in the in the way that champagne sells, except for Prosecco. Prosecco Prosecco outsells outs champagne in terms of volume, just not in terms of money. I mean, they because most Proseccos are fairly inexpensive, and so you got to sell a lot more of those to just to match, to match up. So most there's sparkling wine everywhere. And, you know, there's not, you know, every single town's going to have their own different, like, imported sparkling wines because there's not that much of it made. You're going to get this town's going to get one from here and that town's going to get one from there. So there's a lot to choose from, a lot of interesting ones, a lot of unique ones. And bubbles are good, if you ask me. And since they're inexpensive and they're usually high quality, then they're, you know, they're, they're not inexpensive because there's something wrong with them. It's that, Champagne's expensive because you'll pay that way. You know, if if you if all of a sudden the demand for champagne fell apart, the price would go down too. But the demand's still there; the price is up. And the other ones are all fighting for fighting for your attention, and that's not bad. So there's a you know ton of bubbly out there. Um, give them a try. I mean, there's all sorts of ones coming through, and I, there's very few I don't like. And it's um, one of the better um, segments of value-priced wines, cheap bubbly. So go out there and drink it up. You don't have to do it just on New Year's and the holidays. It's Tuesday night. There's 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 that many inexpensive bubblies out there that they don't cost any much more than your Pinot Grigio and your Chardonnay and your Cabernet. So there you go. Uh, drink bubbly. It's good. It inexpensive because everybody buys champagne and that leaves every the rest of it for the rest of us so there you go uh keep it cheap and until the next time this is dave and adios and goodbye